you know, obviously we're in a, a really weird season, and in some ways, we're all on the same page, right, with COVID-19. We're all experiencing the same thing across the world. It's a really unique moment. Uh, but in other ways, we're all experiencing it totally differently. You know, as I've been talking with some of my friends and my house church, uh, the Ethos staff, and just hearing different stories, you know, I talked to one friend who went, man, the past five weeks have actually been amazing. I've been praying and fasting. And I was like, really? That is amazing. He's like, I feel so close to God. And we were like, wow. And on that same Zoom call, another friend shared and said, I've been so discouraged. It's just hard to hold my head up. And my friends are all on the same page. And, and even when I try to encourage my friends, I, like, I can almost physically see my encouragement ricocheting off of them. And it's just been hard. And I'm like, man, that makes sense. And so, you know, we're we're all on, on different places on the spectrum of how this season has been. But I just want to encourage you today that the word we're gonna, that you just heard out of 1 Timothy, and I'm going to read again in a few moments, it is absolutely for you. I just want to, I want you to imagine with me this scenario, like three years from now, you're talking with friends and you're remembering this really weird time of life where for at least three or four months we were like in quarantine. It was just really odd. And I want you to imagine a friend asking you, how was that season for you? Like, what do you remember about it? And I want you to go to the room. This is going to be hard to believe, but imagine yourself responding. Yeah, that was such a unique moment. But if I had to like paraphrase how that all went, if I had to just like sum it all up, I would say it was a season of great gain. Man, I grew. Like that was such an important season from my life because I experienced great gain in the deepest parts where I exist from. And I know that might sound far-fetched. Maybe you haven't even considered that this season might be good for you. But I believe this word from Paul in 1 Timothy 6 is for you. He gives us this word that goes, hey, great gain is 100% on the table for you. So before I reread that passage, I just want to give you a little context. You know, 1 Timothy, it's not written by Timothy. It's written to Timothy by a guy named Paul, and they're really good friends. And, and Paul's been discipling Timothy. And at this point, Timothy is actually pastoring a church called Ephesus. So if you've ever heard of the book of Ephesians in the New Testament, it's that church. And fun fact for you, um, or at least I think it's fun, um, that, that church of Ephesus was comprised of a lot of house churches. That's what made the church of Ephesus. So it's not exactly like our situation, but maybe a little bit in the fact that, that people were gathered in homes and worshiping. And, and Paul is just talking with Timothy. And he's going, okay, hey, Timothy, but right before verses 6 through 8, which we're going to read, he's going, hey, um, just watch out, because sometimes leaders in ministry, they have this temptation, this tendency to drift from the words of Jesus. And when they begin to drift from the words of Jesus and to forget the gospel that I proclaim to you, some sneaky things start to happen. They start to fall into things like envy and slander. And in verse 5, he goes, they even start to fall into this place where they're using their ministry as a means to make money. They're hoping for profit. And he goes, don't do that. Don't fall into that trap. Like, hold on to the words of Jesus. And it's out of that word that we get verses 6 through 8. And Paul just gives this incredible word of wisdom. So I'm going to read this again over us, and we're going to dig into it, okay? So uh, verse 6, but godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. And so it's not often in Scripture where you almost feel like you just read a formula. Like remember in math class, whatever math class it was, I wasn't good at math, where, where someone would write down A plus B equals C. I don't even know what lesson they were teaching at that moment, but I remember A plus B equals C. I was reminded of that formula in 1 Timothy 6.6. 6. Paul says, hey, if you want great gain, 
I've got, I've got this formula and I can guarantee you this will take you there. If you have godliness and you add contentment, you will have great gain 10 out of 10 times. And I don't know about you, but great gain sounds super good to me right now. And so I wanna dig into this passage. Man, what does it mean to, to have godliness? And, and then what does it mean to have contentment in this season? So let's just work word by word. So let's start with godliness. So when I say, when I say godliness, really what I mean very simply is being like and living like God like God-likeness, like just, just being like Him. And I just wanna encourage you real quick, this was on my heart as we were worshiping. Some of you are, are tempted to believe that, that God in all of His righteousness, one can never love you, much less ever be shown through you. But the miracle of the gospel is that in Jesus' name, when we, when we make Jesus our Lord and Savior, when we start following God, that God begins to display His goodness, His character, His love, His mercy, His compassion, through his people, and that includes you if you want it. That offer's on the table for you. So godliness is just being like God. And, and oftentimes there's things that Christians will do to grow in godliness. Things like, this is probably pretty obvious, but praying, right? Like praying on our own, spending time with the Father, listening, praying, talking to him, praising his name, worshiping, singing to him, keeping community that loves God so that we can hear the Holy Spirit in one another reading the scriptures, observing them, paying really close attention to the life of Jesus, his words, his works, his ways, and then trying to imitate them. Like these are different things that we do to grow in godliness. And I wonder how many of you were like me when you found out we were about to be quarantined, you went, oh man, I have so much free time on my hands. I'm about to grow in every area of my life, right? Like I'm gonna learn 20 new recipes for dinner. That's gonna be amazing. I'm gonna be super fit. Can't wait to see my friends after this. They're gonna be so impressed with my bulging biceps. Forget that I said that. But, uh, but how many of you thought with, in, in regards to godliness, like man, in this season, I'm really gonna grow with the Lord. Like up until this moment, I've spent maybe like two minutes praying every other day. But now that quarantine's here, I got all this time, man, I'm gonna pray for like, like nine hours tomorrow, I think. Like, that's my plan. And I don't know if I've ever prayed in my sleep before, but I've got plenty of time to figure out how to do that too. That'll be like 15 hours a day in prayer. Like, what's the longest chapter in the Bible? Psalm 119, it's like a hundred and something verses. I'm gonna memorize that. Like right now, all this free time, right? Did anyone come in with like all this ambition? You know, and I know that I did. And then did anyone like three or four days later go, huh? This is not as easy as it seems. Like, I always thought it was my calendar that was the issue, right? I thought it was my distractedness, but it turns out when it's just me and my couch, this is still kind of hard. Like, at least I've been there. And what I felt like God was impressing on my mind was this, this phrase that I want, I want you to remember today of heart-shaping habits. Heart-shaping habits. I felt like God was saying, hey, Joshua, the reason this is hard um, is because there's these little things that you're doing over and over again and you didn't even mean to make them habits, but they are, and you don't know this, but they're actually having an impact. They're shaping you, right? And I was sharing this with, with Brandon and Dave, just this power of habits, especially in this season. And, and Dave actually shared with me on Thursday, he said, I actually read a quote uh, this week, and it said, I'll read it to you, listen to this. Our habits are often more influenced by our environment. Uh-oh, I lost the quote. Oh, okay, there we go. Now listen, because it's gonna get really good. Our habits are often more influenced by our environment than our desires. All right, let me read it one more time. Our habits are often more influenced by our environment rather than our desires. And so what this means, 
who we're around the most consistently, what we're around, what we're seeing, what we're hearing, like what we're paying attention to, what is around us is actually impacting our habits more than our desires are. Like if you ever find yourself going, I really desire this habit, but I can't get there, consider your environment. Right? And in this season, if you're like me, your environment has really changed. You're not going to the places that you normally go. And so I found myself slipping into habits that I actually didn't have before. Like I've been binging Netflix series. I actually didn't used to do that. It was just the office every time. But now all of a sudden I'm really getting into series and I can't stop watching them. I've walked down the infinite road of YouTube suggestions. I don't even like to admit that YouTube really has me hooked. But man, their algorithm's perfect. I just find myself like, it's been two hours, what happened, you know? And, or I've been online shopping, which didn't used to be a thing for me, but man, I've, I've been looking at Carhartt shorts. Like I grew up in Western Kentucky, that used to be what all me and my farm friends wore, but now it's trendy. That's me, I'm just being really vulnerable. I expect you to be vulnerable with someone else about what you've been doing, okay? But, but I've just found myself in, the, in these sneaky little habits. And so I've recently started to ask, okay, God, all right, you're right all these little things that I keep coming back to and I think they're actually having an impact. And so I've just started asking myself a question I wanna invite you to ask. What heart-shaping habits can I step into to grow in godliness? Because it's entirely possible, it's on the table for me, so what can I be doing? And so if you're like me, you love practicals. And so I wanna give you some examples that I've, I've thought of and that they've already proven to be helpful. So one, instead of going, I wish I wasn't on my phone as much, and then just picking up my phone and going, gosh, I wish I could stop. Instead, I started to plug my phone up in the living room, and when it's bedtime, I, I go into the bedroom and my phone is not allowed. And so I changed my environment. So I don't just desire to get off my phone. I put my phone somewhere else. Otherwise, I'll, I'll be a victim every time, right? And so I found it to be really helpful, like conversations with my wife, prayer time, all that goes up when my environment does not include a phone anymore, right? Secondly, uh, me and my wife, we bought a whiteboard, and it's not super aesthetically pleasing, but we hang it up in our bedroom and we write down scriptures people we're praying for, and every time we get in bed, we can see that whiteboard. And just that thing, being in our environment, makes us more inclined, right, to talk about scripture, to pray for our friends, to think in these ways. And one last one that came up in my house church, I found that even thinking about posture is important. And my friend was sharing about how their prayer life was really struggling, and another friend said, hey, maybe instead of praying when you're in bed, get on your knees before you get in bed and pray. And I actually was like, wow, that's really good, I'm taking that. Because as good as it is to fall asleep praying, maybe the best way to fall asleep, I found that it's really helpful to get on my knees by my bed and to, and to think about my day and go, God, uh, I'm gonna give you the next three to five minutes just saying thank you. All the people I saw on Zoom, like thank you for them, Lord. Thank you for this conversation. Thank you for this gift. And I've just found that, that getting on my knees has, has proven to be helpful. And so, so I would encourage you to think through what are some heart-shaping habits, small steps that have this trickle effect that form you in the image of God, like that's on the table for you. Now, I really wanna speak into something really important that's on my heart. As you're seeking to be with God in this season of quarantine, I want you to remember that Jesus, once he chose to self-quarantine for 40 days before he began his earthly ministry. You can find this story in Matthew 4. Now, just imagine the perfect son of God in solitude for 40 days, and it's only him and the Father, the closest relationship to ever exist. Just imagine the prayers that are being prayed, the spontaneous worship songs that are being written in the heart of Jesus that we won't get this out of heaven. Just, just Hillsong on steroids on steroids, just beautiful things happening. And I want you to hear this. As Jesus is chasing after the heart of God, as he's right in the thick of the Father's will, praying and worshiping, guess who shows up in Matthew 4? the enemy. 
Satan shows up with three tailor-made temptations for Jesus. And so I just wanna speak to you right now. If you're going, man, I have tried to pursue godliness, I feel the least godly I've ever felt. I feel like the enemy is knocking at my front door. If you sense the enemy hitting you hard in this season, you're in good company. The perfect son of God who overcame the temptation of the enemy was met by the enemy while praying and fasting with the Lord, so don't be discouraged. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, you will never be given more than you can handle. Scriptures promise that the Holy Spirit, the helper, is there to aid us, that Jesus sympathizes with us in our weakness. In the Lord's prayer, he goes, hey Lord, don't lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And so I just wanna encourage you, if old sin that you thought was dead and gone has come back, if the same sin is just magnified, if addictions that have you out of breath are right back where they started and you feel like you're on square one all over again, do not lose hope. But I would encourage you in two areas. One, tell God. The enemy's work is to keep our sin, our temptation in secrecy and darkness. You were not made for that. Tell the Lord. Tell him how you feel. If you're really angry that you're back in the same old thing, tell God. If you need to repent, tell God. I'll just keep saying tell God until you get the point, okay? So just tell God over and over again. But also, I encourage you in a second way. Tell someone else. Tell another human that you love and trust. If you don't have a human you love and trust, hop on our live chat right now and you can be vague. Hey, I would love to pray with someone. And someone from our team will contact you and we will pray with you. But I would just encourage you, as you pursue godliness, if the enemy feels present, like he's giving tailor-made temptations that are just for you, that you have not lost hope, that Jesus is there, he loves you, talk to God about it, talk to someone else. But for all of us, no matter what, in this season to step into godliness, I believe this is gonna take heart-shaping habits. And if you want some help, you know, five weeks ago, uh, Dave Clayton taught on thriving in this season, and he created an awesome resource. So you can go to ethoschurch.org slash at home and, and select the, the tab that says creating healthy rhythms for some other ideas on, on little habits that you can step into that will help shape you into the character, the ways of God. So that's the first half of the equation, right? Godliness. Now, if you were to write godliness plus blank equals great gain, I don't know that I ever would have said contentment. I don't think that would have been my guess. I don't know what I would have guessed, but I just didn't see that word coming. I find it really interesting that, that Paul goes, it's godliness paired with contentment that equals great gain. And as I've been thinking about this verse really for months, I, I've thought about this moment where I was in Uganda. And I was with some of our team here from Ethos and we were training church planners. Um, some of your family that you just haven't met because they're from Uganda and they live in Uganda and they're, they're making disciples. And we're in this village called Jaka and I'm sitting outside my hut, and all of our headlamps are turned off. It's literally lit by the stars in the sky. You know, the only friends I have within 5,000 miles are right beside me. My phone's useless, it's got no service. I don't know the area of Jaka, so I can't go anywhere. And in a lot of ways, it was the most limited I had been in years. Nowhere to go, couldn't choose my friends, they'd been chosen for me. That was good news in the moment. But I felt so limited, no options. And here's, here's what was so interesting about this moment. In all that limitation, I felt free. I felt so free. See, I was coming from a culture that always had this question hovering, is there more? Is there something better I could be doing? Is there something more I could have? And none of those questions were options anymore. I had exactly what was in front of me, and I felt free, and I felt like I was beginning to get a glimpse of what Paul is tapping into. That contentment, it unlocks something in the heart. 
And what it unlocks, it's not easily shaken and it's very easily satisfied. He's onto something beautiful. He says, we didn't bring anything in this world, okay? We're not taking anything out of it. As long as we have food and shelter, we will be content. And I wonder if right now you wrote down a list of what things you have to have to be satisfied. I wonder how many things you'd have, five, 10, 15, 100, I don't know. But Paul seems to be onto something. Paul seems to know that the shorter that list is, the more free you are and the closer you are to true contentment. That the shorter the list of things you need to be happy is actually what frees you, it does not restrict you. It does not confine you, it frees you to be alive. It relieves you of burden. And so in a culture of excess, where Instagram has this algorithm that pinpoints your every desire, and while you're scrolling, just trying to keep up with your friends, you come across an ad that says, you don't have enough yet. What if we thought about the words from Paul? What would it look like to go, oh, I have what I need? What if in this season we weren't anticipating, oh, when's life gonna get back to normal so I can get all the stuff back? Instead, we paid attention. What excess has been cut off that maybe I never needed? And I think it's important how we think of contentment because contentment is not saying, oh, I don't want anything, not even for my birthday or Christmas, like don't give me anything ever. I don't wanna go that extreme, but I do believe contentment is going, I lack nothing. And for that, I'm so thankful to you, God. I do not lack. I have food to sustain me. I have shelter to protect me. I have enough. Thank you, God. And this is easier said than done, isn't it? Like we can't all hop on a plane and go to a different continent, leave our phone behind with a few friends so that we can learn a lesson about contentment. But I do wanna encourage you to think of some ways that maybe you can step into this, this word to be content. Maybe sometime this week, get out a pen and paper and start to write down the things you need that have been provided for you. And don't just move past it. Don't, go, don't quickly breeze over it and say thanks. Sit and soak in the reality that you have shelter and how beautiful it is that you have food that nourishes you. Right? Like what if we did this as a people and, and what if instead of, of kind of going back to online shopping, we instead learned to appreciate what we have and go, I have enough, my needs have been met. What if we looked at our excess and began letting go of it after finding out really it was just it that had a hold of us, we just released it. What if we stepped into this godly contentment? I believe Paul understands something, that when you have a human who has discovered the miracle that in the name of Jesus, you get to have intimacy with the Father and you begin to be molded in his ways, his heart, that you get to live in real godliness as his child and then you add contentment, a human that goes, I'm not greedy, I'm not chasing the, the infinite tunnel of excess, like I'm content with what I have. When you have godliness and contentment, you don't get pretty good gain, you don't get modest gain, it's not just kinda cool, you get great gain from the deepest parts of your being. And so I wanna encourage us this week, think of heart-shaping habits that can help us take small steps in godliness. That miracle that you get to reflect the image of God, that Satan will never be strong enough to keep you from that truth, that Jesus is stronger, that's for you. So what heart-shaping habits can help you step into more godliness, help forming you into the image of God? What heart-shaping habits can help you live in true and genuine contentment? So we're about to go to communion. And as we share in communion, this is a great first place to stop and to actually practice godliness and contentment. I wanna explain how. 
So as you have the bread and the cup, we're reminded that God took on flesh. Just consider the gap that, G that Jesus crossed to come to earth, to put on human skin, to live and talk and walk among us, and he lives a perfect life. And because of his death and resurrection, that, that bread, his body being broken, the cup, the blood being shed, we have access to God. We have intimacy with the Father available to us. So that first word, godliness, Jesus, thank you. Because you're real, because you really died, because you really rose again and declared permanent forever victory over all sin and death, I have been invited into reflecting the image of God in deep intimacy with the Father, godliness. And we can practice contentment going, Jesus, I know that because your blood was shed and you resurrected, my greatest need has been met. My sin has been reckoned with. It has been reconciled. I have been redeemed, not because of anything I've done, but because you met that need head on and you cleansed it forever. And so even in communion, let's immediately begin practicing gratitude and contentment. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, I said gratitude, godliness and contentment. Thank you, Jesus, for the intimacy you offer that shapes me and molds me and makes me look more and more like you. Jesus, thank you for meeting the needs I have, the greatest need that my sin has been reckoned with. So as you take the bread and take the cup, I invite you to reflect on these things and pray over them. So now uh, let's go ahead and, and take communion in our homes.